JS, good to talk with you guys again. Sorry we missed one of uh, the podcasts last week, which means that Joel didn't get to learn about that chapter. What Um, was it? I missed it. It was about Brazil. Brazil. And it was from the same edited volume, um, which I think that when we... The one that had the Carrasco case. Exactly. uh, Which is going to get referenced again tonight. Yeah, Um, thanks, Connie, for that uh, heads (laughs) up. That was good. 
Yeah, that was actually fascinating. So for those of you uh, it, that have been really wondering about some of the deets of these cases, uh, the one awesome juicy G that we got from uh, Connie's mom was that maybe um, the businessman had faked his own death. So that was my favorite sort of uh, info. I love it when they do that. Yeah. You know, that was part of that's part of the Epstein story, too, is that Ghislaine Maxwell's father perhaps faked his own death. Yeah, well, you know. There you go. They're always faking their deaths. I mean, if you were loaded and in trouble for a scandal and you could just, like, disappear to, like, a Caribbean island with mad amounts of money. Right. I mean. Right. Seems like a decent strategy. Um, anyway, I also looked up. I feel like we were asking about the, you were asking about the date of this edited volume, which I couldn't remember. Yeah. So and it was published, published it. in 2006. Oh, I still forgot to look up who that, published that's it. That's okay. Anyway. Um, but the chapter we read for this week is called Reading Scandals, um, and it's by someone named Sylvia Wiseboard. Um, it's also about Argentina. Um, so this chapter opens with uh, a description of this big scandal in Argentina where multiple ministries as well as the armed forces were accused of illegally selling arms to Ecuador in a conflict that they were having with Peru. And Argentina was theoretically... So like an Iran-Contra, but, in, but Argentina to Kind Ecuador. of. A little less convolute. Well, I mean, maybe in some ways. So like they had these like fake contracts that said they were selling the arms to Venezuela and Panama. Uh-huh. And Venezuela was like, uh, no, you definitely didn't sell us these arms. And Panama is kind of like, uh, we don't have an army, so right. <laughs> I don't know why we would need those. Uh, purchase those arms, um, right. And then as that scandal is coming to light... Um, it, like somehow they also dig up that the that there's all they've also been selling arms to Croatia in violation of a UN arms Wait, embargo. Argentina has been yes. selling arms to Croatia. Correct. Correct. In what years is this? In the nineties. In the nineties. Oh my god. Yeah. Right. Argentina. Um, That's a bad look. Argentina. It's a bad look. Bad look here. Um, So anyway, it becomes this large scandal. So that's like the opening of the piece is a sort of description of what's going on here. And then uh, a lot of it is actually an analysis of this scandal as it sits in contrast to um, really just the other type of scandal, which is the one that we talked about um, with like the Carrasco case. And so the... Chapter is called Reading Scandals. Reading Scandals. Okay. Um, and he, I would say that he sort of splits the types of scandals up into these three categories that he really only talks Who's about. Who's the author two. again? His name is Wiseborg, Silvio Wiseborg. Okay. Board, sorry, Wiseborg. Um, I don't, I don't know him or his work, um, other than this. Cool. Um, so Love he when says that, that the yeah the A arms the arms scandal um, fits the category of. Scandals that essentially deal with official corruption. He talks about these categories on 274 and 275. The second category of scandals, which are the ones we read in the last Argentine chapter, um, are scandals that foreground violations of human rights. And then he says there's this third category, which is like tabloid stories with, you know, whatever, celebrities and that kind of thing. And he doesn't really deal with those at all. Yeah. (laughs) So he's mostly really comparing this sort of elite political corruption kind of scandal with the human rights scandals uh, uh-huh. and focusing more on this arm scandal as this example of an elite uh, okay. corruption scandal. Okay. And so is this mostly a descriptive chapter that's giving us a typology of scandal or is he attempting to think about the ways that 
different scandals, like different effects that these two categories of scandals might have in a political system. He's thinking a lot about the role of the media in scandal creation. Got you. And then I think actually the part at the end, which we you have some quotes uh, from where he talks about the effects on public opinion, on citizen mobilization, is uh-huh. actually quite interesting. Okay. Um, okay. So, that's, so he's interested in both i mean not he's not as much as interested in the typology he's kind of interested in how these get created right yeah right as, absolutely as, as public as pieces of public symbo- political symbology yes. or as issues. yeah how they're created and a little bit about then how they affect how they resonate with the public after going through a media process all right so all that's right. what the chapter is about and right. i've given you i think seven okay cards i will get started i'll jump right in page 277 Scandals raise questions about public reputations, positions, and images that result from the exposure of information about misdeeds that had remained private. Scandals start when information comes out about someone having committed an act that contradicts legal and or moral standards. To put it differently, wrongdoing isn't sufficient for scandals to break out. Instead, the revelation of corruption is a necessary condition. Scandals broke, even though courts later proved that suspects were innocent. Scandals do not need legal proof of corruption, but mainly allegations that wrongdoing existed. I like this a lot because I feel like it is a real social science move, right? Uh Uh-huh, okay. Scandals are things that scandalize the public, (laughs) right? I mean, like, like, it's like a, I mean... I, I mean, whatever. I understand that. The, he actually gets, uh, he kind of complicates this initial sure. thing. Well, um, there is something buried in what is seemingly banal, a banal definition. Yeah, There's something so. interesting buried here. Like maybe Sylvia Wiseboard doesn't, isn't, I don't know. I don't want to speak too, uh, I don't want to speak ill of it, but like maybe he doesn't exactly know what he's got here. I think he does. He does. Okay. I think he does. I think I actually kind of like this chapter. I, I think he, he's setting up here for us. It's hard to know. I'm just taking this is, out of context. He, well, so he's going after that. This is symbolic politics, right? Like whether you right. have or have it not. It doesn't matter whether you did it, as long as there's a perception. Really, if you've committed wrongdoing, allegation. If you've committed there. wrongdoing and nobody has, it hasn't broken into the media. It's not a scandal. Right. It's just wrongdoing. Right. And whether or not you have committed it, if it it's becomes a mediated, it. like, circus, then, you know, whether or not you eventually are convicted of anything. Butter emails, right? Right. Butter yeah, emails. Right. So, like, I mean, I think that it's, he's like, what he's laying out here is, like, that this is something that, yeah, like, okay, he's giving us this basic definition that it's, like, against our morals. But I think he's also setting up this sense that this is very much... Like, you can't have a scandal without a media, and that whether or not the wrongdoing has or has not happened is not necessarily even the most relevant. Right. And right? allegations of a of someone committing an act that contradicts legal and or moral standards, right? right. So, so if you have an act that people think – I mean, it's an interesting problem where – it's interesting to imagine scenarios in which legal and moral standards might be divergent. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. And 
that someone could have committed something that was technically illegal, but most people don't think was a moral uh-huh. problem or right. where someone has committed something morally problematic, but isn't necessarily legal. Yes. Or isn't necessarily legally problematic. Right. 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 So when you have public morality and legality closely aligned, right, it's not very complicated. What is scandalous is what is scandalous. But right. when you have divergence there, so if you have a, yeah, I mean, there's all yeah, kinds of ways. I think we see this actually bubbling up in this chapter that cool. he presents. So, cool. Cool. Yeah. So I should, sounds like I should move yeah, forward. Yeah, move right on along. Scandals presuppose, this is 277 and 278, scandals presuppose visibility of illegal actions that were invisible. And the media gives visibility in today's large-scale societies. This is why all scandals are essentially media scandals. Okay, right? Part of the symbolic apparatus. Right. Yeah. Whereas in the past, political parties, unions, and social movements formerly monopolized political life, the media has become the central political stage. It controls access to the fishbowl of public life. It is the network that links together the public actions of different institutions. It offers outlets for going public. If early views after the return to democracy, if early views after the return to democracy, hoped that democracy would strengthen traditional political institutions, the process has arguably fallen short of such expectations. Instead, heightening the centrality of the media as both arena and actor in the waging of political battles. This is a cool quote. It's cool. And it's, uh, I mean, I don't want to pick at it too hard, um, but the first move I want to make is this. This sounds like kind of a a classic post-Robert Putnam story Mm -hmm. where uh, suddenly TV poses a problem to democracy. And on the one hand, sure, right? Like on the one hand, the way that televisual media can destroy normal face-to-face strong social ties or or make them less attractive. Sure, I suppose that poses a problem. But on the other hand, I don't know. I mean, I don't know whether I agree with the claim that now the media is the central political battlefield. I've lately been thinking, like, if you see it on TV, it's not relevant. Like, it's relevant to something, but it's not really relevant. Like, it's a distraction. Because, okay, well, a distraction, I don't know what we mean there. I guess that this is like, I mean, it's not, it's like symbolic politics that you're supposed to consume. And that is me. I've been thinking about it a lot with these protests, right? Our current protests. Our current in the U.S., these little liberate Minnesota or whoever we're liberating. Liberate Virginia. (laughs) Liberate Virginia. Anyway, I've been thinking about these protests because. I feel like in so many other contexts, they wouldn't be newsworthy because they're tiny. Uh-huh. And, I mean, okay, the Kentucky one where they all show up with their AK-47s right. into the Capitol, like, that should be newsworthy. Yes. It, A no paramilitary matter. group. Yeah, yeah. Going into the Capitol, like, guns raised, like, whatever. So, like, okay, the fact that that one makes the news unsurprising to me mm-hmm. that you mm-hmm. have. I mean, it's – I would – categorize that in some ways that I though I go back and forth I mean that certainly is the threat of violence whether or not it's actually coded as sort of a violent protest but right when you know when you show up at something with your arms you know that's different vibe than you know but like some schmoes hanging out at SUVs yelling with signs like 
this just isn't if that was happening in Syracuse and wasn't like in mm-hmm. this particular news cycle being tweeted by the president, right? I mean, like it just mm-hmm. wouldn't be newsworthy. And so I sort of think about, I don't know, I guess I think it's newsworthy partly because it's in the, I mean, now we have social media, which wasn't as relevant when this stuff was published, right? right? But, you know, it's like it became newsworthy partly because it was in the news, right? You know, so, and then it becomes something that's part of the public discourse. And I mean, I don't know. I actually was thinking the opposite of you lately, especially as we're all just in our fucking homes. Right. It's the only thing. It's the only reality that we have I'm not watching TV. I'm reading the internet, right? But like, I feel like it's the same kind of... I'm still reading actually mainstream news sources. Um, right, right. But I mean, I guess I'm saying if you're seeing it on TV, I don't know how. I mean, whatever. I guess it. So I think that this actually gets it. We're going to okay. actually, I think, I don't okay. want to hold this thought. Spoil all hold these this questions thought. about. But I think, I think that what you're saying, it's not that it doesn't have. I think. I guess I think it's a realm of symbolic politics. And it symbolic is a realm of symbolic politics. politics. is not unimportant. Okay. Okay. Right? The other thing I think is... It depends on what game you want to play. It depends on what game you want to play. But a lot of people want to play the game. consuming the symbolic politics. Oh, right. Yes, no, a lot just, of people I mean, consume it. You know, whether, whatever they think they're doing, they're you know, like consuming it. Anyway, so All right. the other thing I want to say, though, about this quote that I think is interesting... Um is also thinking about the sort of democratic interregnum or whatever, or like, yeah. right, that there's actually like this military dictatorship that happens We're in, in Argentina, Argentina, right? Okay. right? Yeah, Not I here. I get myself in the context. Um, and so when they're talking about this in this quote, when he's saying like, okay, this is this shift, he's talking about like, okay, if you think about kind of cutting out this period of like the sixties through the eighties, like you come back to democracy in 82 and okay. it's like kind of a different political world in terms, I think. Right. Of, You've got different institutions, right? Different extra political institutions. And, right? and right. I mean, it's like everything has changed in a certain way. So I think it's also sort so, of an interesting thing because it's not just like, Oh, look back at the past. Yeah. Democracy's like been in it's jail. Like, yeah. And suddenly <laughs> it comes out of jail and it's like, Whoa. Right. Everyone's got a smartphone. And after this kind of crazy period of like even before the military regimes that happened, you also have like the Peronist period. So, I mean, you've got this strange like politics looks extremely different under right. the Peronists and then it looks different under the military regime. And then you have democracy again and all of a sudden you're in the 1980s. Right. Right. And so I think it's like also a sort of different. It's like whatever people thought was going to happen coming out in terms of like probably some of these like theorists of, you know, like who were whatever, pinning hopes and dreams on these political processes. And then like the reality sets in that like, whatever, it doesn't maybe look like they imagined according to their, you know. Yeah. Wouldn't that have been a great question for Guillermo O'Donnell? <laughs> Wasn't he Argentine? Yeah. 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 What a wonderful question for Guillermo O'Donnell. I mean, he probably wrote about it. He wrote a million things. Hmm. Is he still alive? No. No. All right. So, but back to Silvio Wiseboard. Yes. Page 279. Publicity is what counts in scandals. Media inattention is tantamount to symbolic annihilation. 
All right. And you want me to do this other one from two Yeah, because I think this time? is actually getting into this question that you're having okay. about whether the media is actually real politics. In order to keep a scandal alive, prosecutors leak information to friendly journalists and news organizations with the hope that their own investigations and decisions will become public. Parties interested in gaining political advantage want adversaries embroiled in wrongdoing to be in the media spotlight as much as possible. Yes. Yes. So, in part, the media is a highly politicized institution itself, is what I'm, what I'm gathering here, right? And it is manipulated not in necessarily, like, manipulative, the way the pejorative meaning of manipulative or manipulated, but manipulated by political actors with agendas. Right. Right. I mean, so, I mean, whether or not the media itself is partisan, which I mean, in some cases, papers stewed and like whatever TV stations and whatnot, they are, of course, you know, especially in Latin America, often actually right. like explicitly, you know, here now too, right. Related yeah. to a political ideology. But I think also the thing that you see here is that they aren't just like neutral fact finders, right? They are being used. Their facts are coming from places. They're being used politically, yes. right? Yeah. With a very, you know, with a mind to. Yeah. I guess that's what I mean is that, is that I, I lately have been feeling that, I, I mean, I've been having dark thoughts about. Yeah. We all have, I think. Yeah, about the the construction of of political reality in the media. And I've been thinking a lot about just this very fact that so many stories that are created are being created by... Like, the stories themselves are being created as newsworthy events by actors who have some particular position right and are aiming at particular goals and so mm -hmm. i guess it's the part where i think like i don't understand how this is the part where okay i guess i'm gonna put them out here right that like how am i supposed to be a citizen if now what's required of me is not only paying attention to the news but also paying attention into to the news in a way where i'm able to understand the deep political game that is shaping the news that is coming to me. Right. Right. It's impossible. Yeah. It's, it's impossible. Yeah. So I guess I can go ahead and, 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 and putting them out here and say, yes, like the mass media is the greatest threat to democracy <laughs> since communism <laughs> for, for Putnam. I mean, and I keep reading the next one. The next one is related. So, yeah, I like there's like some stuff coming up that I think is kind of I mean, it's like on the okay. tip that you're on, actually. OK, think, OK. So. I'm just going to keep moving then and we'll just keep it rolling. Page 285. Scandals that deal with official corruption, like the arms scandal, almost inevitably originate in elite machinations. Of course. Right. Yes, of course. They're playing an inside game. I mean, Murray Edelman all over the place. He's Murray, clearly read Murray yeah, Edelman. He's an Edelman. He's yeah. an Edelman disciple here. Yeah. I love that. You guys do know about our Murray Edelman listener? We must have public? talked about him last week, didn't we? 
No, we never talked about yeah. Murray Edelman. It was Edelman. symbolic politics last week, too. I know, but I just, you know, yeah, yeah. you and I have this beautiful shorthand about symbolic <laughs> politics. <laughs> Our love for symbolic Our politics. Our love of symbolic politics. Yeah, no, Murray Edelman, look him up. Uh, really, really interesting guy. Professor Orvis, Steve Orvis, uh, actually was at University of Wisconsin. Uh, as a grad student when Murray Edelman was still alive. Can you believe but that? But he was emeritus or something, right? He wasn't. He was still, like, he was emeritus at the time that Steve was there. Yeah. Love yeah, it. cool. I would have loved Love it. Have Scandals that, that deal. Sorry, let me get back to this. I just got distracted by Murray Edelman. Uh, scandals that deal with official corruption like the arms scandal almost inevitably originate in elite, elite machinations. Only elites are likely to have sensitive information about state secrets and illegal operations. Only elites have fluid access to newsrooms and are capable of attracting reporters' curiosity. The power of elites lies in their power as newsmakers. Citizens, in contrast, are mostly powerless in getting media attention. Yeah, I suppose this is the way in which, which you do see this as a, as a historically situated analysis or that this event is historically situated insofar as this is I, I'm a little bit dubious of the uh, hashtag empowerment um, possibilities of social media, but one does see the way that it does give different this, especially the one about the access. Yeah, right? though, I think it's still I mean, I make this argument partly because I'm trying to publish a paper that looks at the news, traditional news. Yeah, paper. right. Of course. Um but I actually think it does – I mean, like, if the yahoos in these states had only gotten attention on social media. Right. You're talking about right now our own uh, yahoos. I'm sorry. I'm back to the protesters here. So if those guys, if open it up or whatever their hashtag is, if that had just been it, if they had just been the, like, open it up hashtag – like we wouldn't be talking about. No, them. no, I'm sorry. Let me, let me. Yeah, that's, but I guess, but I guess I'm saying going, that like, going. so that my point is that like the goal I feel like in getting your like trending social media shit is partly that then it breaks into the mainstream media. Uh, right. right. I mean, Trump needs to also be covered even as president, right. By the mainstream media with his tweets. Right. Right. Yes. Right. Because he's the president. You mean, well, no, I mean, he has the most access to the media oh. and he has the most follower, you know, like more follow. I mean, I'm sure some makeup people or whoever, I don't right. know who people follow. His tweets have- are newsworthy because he's an elite, whereas. No, but I'm saying that he also wants his tweets to end up in the press. He wants people, he wants the news to talk about his tweets, not just his tweets to be on his Twitter feed. Right. right? True. Like he True. would be bumming if like nobody was talking about his tweets. Right. And so I still think that even in this age of social media, that that like social movements too, right. They want to hop into that, into the mainstream, into media. the mainstream media. And I think that there's lots of reasons why that is actually still a big source. Well, I was of... thinking, I was thinking about, I, I think that's true that definitely everyone wants access to the mean, to the, to the still those large sources. I yeah. think, so I think that's still relevant. I was thinking about how Edward Snowden, okay. for example, right. Is a, he's really a low level NSA employee right right not an elite in the way that this is no absolutely this is talking about but because of the because of how social media has made journalists more public figures in a sense regular people have access to the inboxes of journalists in a way that wasn't available before well yeah maybe 
maybe, but I think like these things of like, I think if you had that kind of dirt, you would have had the access to a journalist's inbox even before. So I think that I there was I hear you. always that possibility. But I mean, it's that, what is it? I forget. I have all I hear these. You. I mean, I read all these like old, like making the news kind of like books that were right now. I can't remember all the like authors, but right. I mean, Governing with the News by Tim Cook. I definitely. 1998. Cite, I cite, Wonderful book. I cite that one in my paper. Yes. Yeah, a great um, book. A great book. But I think that there's like all this sense that it's like and in the social movements literature, which I you know, also right. know quite a lot and will touch this. That will come in a little bit here. Um, but is that. Those, um, there are other act like other act. What, what's that? Like other methods of accessing the news. Mm -hmm. It's just far easier for these like high level public officials right, because they're being cultivated like, as sources. Exactly, and they are newsworthy just because they are important. And so, like for the sort of schmo to get in there, it has to be a much bigger right. splash, right? So right. Snowden has huge shit, so he's going to get right. the news no matter, right? And he starts with a pretty. I mean, he goes to the Intercept, like uh, Glenn Greenwald, right? right? I mean, he doesn't start at the Washington Post. That's right. not who breaks the story. Right. I mean, I can't remember who they end up getting on pretty early, yeah, right? Yeah, but some yeah. of those are a little more cautious, right? In a way that they aren't cautious when um, Scooter Libby in the vice president's office during the George W. Bush administration comes and says, right. "Hey, here's a CIA agent that, like, right, right, actually, right. here's her real name." Bye. Right. 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 So, which I think goes exactly to your point. Yeah. It's still a much greater uphill battle. Yeah. Right. In part yeah. because in, for many of these elites, there are human beings whose labor hours are exclusively devoted to being a press liaison. Right. Right. Like you have a staff, sometimes many highly yes. paid people whose job it is to keep you in the news. Right. Or, and to keep you in the news and in a way. And cultivating the news that you want. To like, exactly. And it doesn't always work. I mean, it's, it sometimes can be a dangerous thing for the politicians to like, and you see it. The, I didn't give you any quotes like this, but I mean, there's stuff about like President Menem, like studiously avoiding showing up in the news around some right. of these issues. Right. right? And, then, and then it's like the decisions of like trying to avoid having like, cabinet ministers give testimony on certain things because then it makes it newsworthy if they're showing up. So it's like if they have to, to like right. do only written depositions instead of actually showing up in person where there might be cameras and right. um, so that you see the ways in which that like cultivation of symbols and images. And there was some story about like, you know, it was like, I forget the actors cause it's not very important, but like where, you know, like such and such decides to testify in the military uniform, whereas such and such is like studiously yes. doesn't go in the, you know, like conscientiously oh, yeah. doesn't wear the uniform. Oh, yeah. and no, like, you know, no. I mean, in the impeachment trials, right. That was a huge deal. That one Ukrainian American officer, Vindeman who shows up in his thing, his uniform, and that woman, I can't remember her name, who was at the embassy. Uh, I wish I could remember it. Who everyone was commenting. I mean, it was a weird moment of gender double standard playing out in this very peculiar way where it was like everyone was commenting on her scarf in a way that's right, like very right. traditional with that political women get covered and talking about their clothes. Right. But in a way that was highly symbolized, right? I mean, just right. like scrutinized at right. this level of like intense... Yeah. Bizarre. So, I mean, it's like, I think that there's whatever. I don't know why we were talking about that why exactly. But I think. I why did I go there? Symbolic. Symbolic. I don't, I don't know. Remember. It doesn't. It's not, I can't remember why we were talking about that, but. 
Oh, I think highly scripted. Highly oh, I know. Scripted. And that sometimes yes. it's like you're trying to actually stay out of the news and like, right, because you actually, yeah. you, once you generate news coverage, then you open yourself up to all of a sudden now having to make a statement and about X, where it's like the best case scenario, you pretend like you're not part of X, right, is, you know. And so this begins, this is a case study. He's setting up a theoretical a, a, a theoretical apparatus around a particular scandal right. in Argentina. Yes. Most and, of the chapter is the case study of this arms scandal, but highly so, kind of theor- theoretical. So I'm just thinking out loud here. I haven't read the chapter. So, you know, take it for what it's worth. Hopefully my students have. Right. I don't know. I mean, I'm not going to say anything about that. They're your students, not mine. Um, so don't ask, don't tell. Don't ask, don't everything. tell here. Um so I'm thinking about how what was just said about elites and elite machinations and access to information. And I'm thinking that a scandal on the level of arms deals mm-hmm. is one that seems highly sensitive to this particular interpretation of scandal, right? Like it's highly sensitive to this particular dynamic of a scandal, whereas a certain other kind of, say like, Another kind of wrongdoing might be a sex scandal, for example. Yeah, those basically are not talked about at all in this, which I don't know if that would be in like that third category. Peccadillos. Yeah, yeah. sure. I mean, I think, oh no, he does talk, he talks about them in this chapter very briefly because he's like, basically, no one gives a shit about sex scandals, except there was like a military officer that was gay. Yeah, right. And then he like, some photos of him show up with like shirtless in Argentina. Right. This is, oh, right. Okay, and so you yeah. get this like massive homophobic like thing. And so it's like, it was basically is abortion legal in Argentina yet? Um, there was all those protests yeah, and right. I, I'm just, I, I forget I'm how sort it of setting shook the scene out. about like just a place asking. where sex scandals don't matter at all. Right. Is would be like this extremely machista place. Right. Well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, whatever. They've had a woman president. We haven't. So, I mean, (laughs) I'm just saying. Um, Yeah, all right. Um, But, but, yeah, anyway, but the sort of like, but I think in the States, for however far any of us have come on these issues, like, I feel like you could still get a big gay scandal in the U.S. too, um, where you might get less of it if it was just like, it turned out the guy had a mistress, like. Right, right, right. I so mean, I know we made the giant thing out of Clinton, but sure, you know, sure. That was also in the nineties. Then there was that really. I think we forgot about that scandal about that Florida congressman who had all those interns, those like male interns. It was uh, kind of a. It was like a post Clinton. I don't remember. Look it up. Mark Foley was his name. It's oh, a good one I look vaguely up remember. If you, yeah. If you're a political sex scandal junkie, <laughs> I, I got in this in this particular back to this particular scandal. I, I it seems to me like. Underneath this, then, we're talking about a lot of elite politics pushing this arms scandal. Correct. Right. This Correct. is not a scandal that is like, right. oh, journalists doing their digging. This isn't. Well, it's like, it's interesting because he also makes a bit of a d- dig on the journalists where he's like, they saw this as being like, um, like award winning reporting. Like that this would be like worthy of like awards and that like in the sort of profession of journalism that this would be like a 
this particular kind of story is one of these, like, yes, this is one you make you, you, this is a career builder. Exactly. Exactly. This is a career builder for the young cub reporter. Exactly. And this is like a a victory lap and a valedictory opportunity for the senior. It's like a grizzled. Yeah. Right. It's a combination of the elite machinations. So they're thinking of their own fucking story, right? Their own particular professional legacy. Yeah. So they're totally credulous dummies that are are wanting to shape or whether the, or not they, right they're not maybe dummies they're, they're very they're very they maybe actually doing good actors, investigative journalism doing good investigative journalism but also but also doing good investigative journalism that creates a story that is highly yes. salable i mean it, wow. it, but not what's not fascinating salable, but, is that it's actually not highly salable we're going to get into this moment but that it, it's prestigious prestigious Yes. It's like a newsman's news story or something. Oh, my God. Because it confirms a certain identity of journalists speaking truth to power. I guess. I guess. Right? It must. So dangerous. part of it. So dangerous to get so self-involved. Oh, my God. Uh, All right. Just had a brief personal descent into nihilism. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Page 291. It was a hard day here in the Sully Winkle. Yeah, well, that, I mean, I would go to there on a good day. Um, <laughs> the arms scandal held a different priority in the minds of journalists than it did in the public mind. Opinion polls show that citizens did not seem particularly interested in the scandal. Of course not. It's very hard to understand, and it's something driven totally by elites. Sorry. Um Public mobilization, back to the quote, public mobilizations, a traditional form of the expression of public opinion in Argentine politics, did not take place. Yeah, I mean, that doesn't surprise me that the public finds this scandal difficult to understand. And and kind of like, I don't really like arms sales. I mean, imagine if the United States had protests about where our bombs were going. <laughs> We'd be protesting all the time. So it's just hard to, it's it's hard to... To make sense of. So it doesn't surprise me that this is a story. But it's not only hard, even if it's easy to make sense of, even if the people read it and they're like, yeah, so we like illegally sold that shit. They might still be like. Uh, it's done, I guess. Or Yeah. Like, A, they might think, do I care? I don't know. I have other they concerns. Sold guns, that are they like, sold guns to places in Ecuador and a bunch of Ecuadorians died. Right. Or, well, they were, yeah, but whatever, stoked regional conflict or whatever. But Croatia, it's like, okay, yeah, whatever. Really Croatia, right? Like, maybe they have some feelings what about What was that guy's but, name, Ratko or whatever? Yes. Right? I don't know. This is, like, super far from home when people have concerns that are far more direct to their direct lives, right? And, I mean, it certainly, I think, can feel very far from the politics that you, I mean, like, I know that thinking about influencing that kind of major political elite it's so politics. deep within the institution exactly that i'm right? so far like, from I that don't, i mean like i read about these things I could barely that, you could barely you could barely make a difference to you're your like local bullshit like to to magnarelli that lives yeah. a block away right that guy's even far away even though i see him mowing his dang lawn yeah right like <laughs> what i'm gonna influence that guy yeah I mean, to say nothing of like, like arm, where we're selling arms, right? Seems, the people with the guns, yeah. right? The heart of the state, the so, monopoly on the legitimate use of force. Impossible. Yeah. 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 Impossible. So, so page 292 to 293 scandals require the publicity of information that contradicts widely held ideas about individuals, 
The clash between previous and new opinions breeds scandalous reactions. In Argentina, mediated corruption has become so ubiquitous that it hardly scandalizes large segments of the public. Yeah, and I guess it's also, when I think about this arms sale situation too, it's also, it's another one where, what did he say? That it for it to be scandalous, it must contradict widely held ideas about individuals. And and the military selling arms right. To, right. To, to advance the national interest, however that's understood, that doesn't contradict my view of the military. Right. Well, right? and, like, people made money off, you know, there was, like, also some, like, you know, private gain bullshit happening here. Okay. It wasn't just, but, I mean, but, you also expect that, right? I mean, I'm sure, you know, I mean, I yeah. think one of the things that I like is that, so in this quote, I feel like he's coming a little back to you or like, this is a boring definition. That's like scandals is what scandalizes. Right. But I feel like he's like returning to that and being like, right. So if everyone assumes that politicians are corrupt assholes and who are doing these like shady things, then it's right. not a scandal. Right. right? Because right. everyone's like, yeah, that guy. Yeah. Yeah. They did that. Like, like you said, like, yeah, the military does these like shady military things. And like, yeah, public officials like line their own pockets and like, you know, right. so I think that you have this, some of this issue, which is just that, like, you set this out as this, like, oh, what is moral and legal, you know, right. like, goes against your morals and legals, and, like, you know, but then at the same time, you have this, once we're so kind of inured to this. Right, right, but it does, I mean, not to get too theoretical here, but it, those are radically different things, right? I mean... What contradicts a legal or moral expectations or whatever? What was the beginning one? I'm going to look legal, this up. Legal Sorry. and moral. I'm going to look this up. This is what I do. <laughs> uh, contradicts legal and or moral standards versus contradicts widely held ideas about individuals and something that becomes ubiquitous. It's like... I mean, he's, I mean, standards don't. I, I don't have, know that he's bringing yeah. it back. I I sort of yeah, yeah. see some resonance, and with the I think you have one more thing to read. And I, I think yeah. it's like I I saw some like caveating of this initial right where initially we're like this is like against your legal and moral standards, but like surely this is actually still against these people's legal or I mean it's certainly not not legal, right? right. And I don't think that people necessarily assume that the corruption is moral. morally fine, right? Right. I think they just think. It happens, right? Right. I mean, in some places, I know people maybe justify corruption as, like, morally fine. But I feel like right. in some of these instances, that is not actually what's right. happening. People just assume it's so part of the system that, like, why would you even consider whether it is or is not moral? Do you know what I mean? Like, it's, like, an irrelevant right. question. <laughs> like, and so, so then it sounds like what makes something scandalous and what causes a scandal is when it there's a it's not exactly an interaction effect but it's it's a conditional effect so it is when it when it scandalizes when it violates legal or moral standards without um in a in an in an area or with respect to a phenomenon that has not yet been fully inoculated by to, ubiquity. I mean, he, to be fair, he would say that the arms thing was a scandal, 
right? He calls it a scandal. It's because right, right. It, it has that these right. like ca- whether the public was whether the too... public just didn't really give a shit, right? So it's a scandal, but right, it doesn't generate public outrage in a very significant way. Right. But it still is like definitely a scandal, right? It like is all over the news. It, you know, has these kind of scandal characteristics. Right. Right. So I guess I'm thinking about then. I mean, I don't know how he sticks to that definition because I guess in some sense, the who is generating outrage and like, I think it's why he's interested in this sort of idea of this like mediated scandal, like where it's, it seems to be. For him, the scandal part actually seems to have some component of this exposing of wrongdoing, right? Mm-hmm. That I think that more than that legal or moral. Right. I mean, I guess. Alleging wrongdoing. Right. It's that like exposed, alleged, exposing of alleged long, wrongdoing, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's like, I think for him, the scandal part is this like exposing part far mm-hmm. more than the other. And then like what it does with the outrage is part of like what he looks at in this little sort of relatively brief, but I think nice kind of end, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. end mm-hmm. part. And this is where I'm ending here. And sort of what we've been talking about a little bit, how the people didn't care. Yeah. I mean, that's a good, it's a good little caveat here. It's a good little caveat. All right. Uh, 295 and 296. This is Arms scandal neither directly affected a community of citizens nor generated a constituency. The murders of Maria Soledad Morales, Omar Carrasco, uh, Jose Luis Cabezas, we talked about that. Carrasco and Cabezas. Last time, yeah. Mm -hmm. And hundreds of people at the bombings of the Jewish Community Center instead were both tragedies for relatives, friends, colleagues, and schoolmates and issues of significance, proximity, and currency to citizens who mobilized to demand justice. The murders were not old stories, but current events that resonated with the lives of ordinary people and citizens concerned about power abuses. Doubtless, the armed scandal is an issue of relevance to all Argentines as members of a national political community. Citizens, however, might not perceive that any of these issues affect their lives. Right, right. And also, there's no there's no victims. Right, right. And this- No Argentine victims that can be nicely, whose stories get told with various human interest angles. Right. Right. It's really, it is totally up to elites to shape this story. It's not, journalists aren't going to, I mean, they might snoop around and sniff around, but they aren't probably going to find the mother, the cousin, the whomever. Oh, like in Croatia or whatever. Right, right. And tell their story and have a very, I don't know, serious looking photograph in the Sunday magazine of the newspaper or whatever. Right. It's much But even if they did, that's like so far away. I mean, like when we see pictures of like any of it, right? Syrians washing or, you know, like washing yes. up on, I don't know, right? Yeah, 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 you know, baby washing his face matter, down in Syrian refugee camp matter, water like or whatever. Babies in ICE detention centers. Yeah, right? Right? Yeah. Which is closer, you know? And we're still like, oh, God, like, sucks. That's so sad. Anyway. Anyway. Anyway, anyway. So, you know. So, I mean, like, this is right. even, right? And when there was an interface, oh, never mind, it's not, it's yeah. not important, but so, no, one covers, no one covers movements against that. Like, the very little coverage of, like, right. m- large, mo- large-scale national-level mobilization against that. 
and like hard to get press coverage. Hard to get press coverage movements. of that. Yeah. Easy to get press coverage of elite driven and things. elite driven protests for that matter. And elite driven protests. Yeah. Yeah. Look that one up. <laughs> elite driven protests liberate Virginia. <laughs> well, but I like this. I actually thought it was kind of nice. And I thought it was kind of nice because in for, I thought it was I, I liked his this like separating these like kind of elite political scandals, which he terms like they're all the gates, you know, the something gate scandals. Yeah, 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 yeah. Versus these like human rights ones which generate this like more like grassroots mobilization that are more mm-hmm. based and then also like if we go back to that idea of the mediated scandal versus I mean, back to your initial Putnam. I don't know if you guys have ever read Putnam. It may be too old. I don't know if anyone assigned it. I don't think I've assigned it in a long time. Any Putnam. I haven't um, signed Putnam since UNC, probably. Since UNC, maybe I'll revisit him for fun. Probably not, yeah, though. No. <laughs> but I won't. Um, anyway, but oh, but what I was going to say was that, like, sort of, there was it was like this, like, well, now we're in the media age, and not it's not parties and social movements. But one of the things that you see with those other cases was that the Argentine history and power of social movements did matter, right? I mean, that mm-hmm. what we read about when we were reading about. Um, well, the Cabezas case was different because it was the journalist associations, but like in that Carrasco case, which, um, Connie also said her parents remembered and, uh, it was like the straw that broke the camel's back, but you did have part of what made that one kid's sad story into a movement that then, you know, still was like tapping into national anger was that there were also human rights organizations that were behind those or supporting and, you know, helping to organize. And so there were actually social movements, not just, um, you know, amorphous kind of fully amorphous. And not just journalists. Well, not just journalists, but also I guess I was trying to say not just the media, right? It wasn't like people just saw it on TV and were like, we're so mad. I mean, they were, I think, but like also there were human rights, like established human rights groups that were helping to like make that into a movement, which Mm-hmm. I mean, making a movement is actually a lot of work, right? Mm-hmm. It's not. And so you did have kind of the the sort of rich Argentine sort of human rights community that was partly participating in that uh, mobilization. So anyway, so I thought it was kind of a neat. I liked his little sort of distinction. No one gave a shit about the other, you know, even though it stays in the news. It's like a journalist thing. Um I mean, in a way, it behaved in a certain I mean, does regard. It, so does anyone does anyone go down, right? I mean, the, so we were talking the last time about how the Carrasco protest ended up being, and the Cabezas protest right. ended up being successful in... You know what's funny is I don't actually think he talks about that. I think he's far more interested in the fact that no one cares. No citizens care, yeah. right? But like... What happens in the elite world around that? Yeah, I mean, is it... I would have I to... I mean, go- what happens, right? I mean, I will admit to to you guys that um, our our small person that lives in the house with us was having a really really tough day, and as I was I was doing my reading with a lot of nine year old rage, right? And it's possible I missed that part, but I don't think so. Yeah. I really think he talks well, very little. But also about because, the, because be, but also yeah. because elite games. I mean, this is the story that. This is, I guess, where I started out, and this is really influenced by Edelman, that 
the elite game may not have had fuck all to do with the arms right problem right and so no one may get burned in the way that you might expect if it were really an arms de- a, a corrupt right. arms deal right what may happen is something that's completely not covered by the media right but you may have certain other the pressure there. Right. It gave somebody else the upper hand and some other conflict that wasn't even the conflict about that, but yeah, was about some yeah, other it's like thing. That old, that, like, it's like your dad's old joke about the priest, the motorcycle, yeah. and the radio, you know? Yeah, you guys want to hear this joke, and then we'll call it a night here. Um, so let me see. Can I do it? So there's uh, a priest. Yeah. And he goes to the bishop. He goes to the bishop. And he says to the bishop, Bishop... I really want to get a motorcycle. And the bishop says, no, you cannot have a motorcycle. And then I'm not going to be able to do it. And then he goes back to the bishop, and he has, like, a picture of the motorcycle. And he's like, bishop, I really, really need this motorcycle. I I had a vision. God told me. (laughs) I need this motorcycle. And the bishop is like, no, you cannot have the – you cannot have a motorcycle. So – he goes back, and then the bishop comes back, and he's like, look, I've been researching these motorcycles. I think it would really help me do my, like, mission work to visit mm-hmm. the people in the community and really get to hear their, you know, concerns. And the bishop is like, this is absurd. You cannot have a motorcycle. And he was like, well, could I have a radio instead? And the bishop gives him the radio. And is there any more punchlines? Yeah, well, there is. You forgot the part where the bishop, the the priest, has like a, a sub priest. You know, like he's not a priest; he's like a monsignor or something, right? And he's got a sub priest, and he comes back with the radio, and the priest says to the monsignor, "Okay, like, oh, you didn't get the motorcycle again, but you got the radio." And the monsignor says, "Yeah, that's what I wanted all along." <laughs> right, right, yeah. yeah. He just wanted the radio all along. Yeah, I forgot how you conveyed that he wanted the radio all along. Yeah, I think that some of it maybe has to do with the the hilarious hierarchy of the right, Catholic, Catholic Church. Church. So and I couldn't ever tell that kind of joke no like one, my dad. No one, no one could. No one. My ex Catholic priest dad. Right, right. Uh, all right, guys. It's been it's been real hanging here podcast and uh i hope that research papers are uh look up murray edelman look up murray edelman the symbolic use of politics 1960 great great book one of the greats all right hope everyone's staying safe and staying sane bye
Samsara.